Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, with this newsworthy update. President Donald Trump is in Palm Beach this weekend, out of sight but not out of mind, of protest marches from New York City to Los Angeles and nearby West Palm Beach. When responding to a question about the character of Vladimir Putin, the president offered Bill O'Reilly a question of his own. What do you think? Our country is so innocent? While Republicans like Senator Mitch McConnell denounced Trump's defense of killer Putin, Democrats on the Hill worry about the outrage fatigue of progressive constituency. Both the Super Bowl and Budweiser are facing a backlash on social media and the streets near NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas all stemming from a pre-release of a Budweiser ad featuring its founder, German immigrant Adolphus Busch. Lady Gaga's show is expected to go all out and hold back nothing politically. By the way, rule of law equals borders is an alternative fact. Now join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Why are police photographing our license plates? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. I have two local activists. Now, they may not have thought of themselves as that uh, uh, before 2017, but they certainly are now. These are American citizens who are getting involved on a daily basis on local levels, which is what I think we all need to do. I'm talking today with Josiah Mansfield. Josiah, how are you? I'm well, and you? Oh, I'm great, thanks. And with Christopher Hayes. Do you prefer Chris, Christopher? Okay. All right. Christopher Hayes, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you, Marcello. My pleasure. First of all, let's let's start with you, Christopher. Um how what is it you do and and how did you how do you know Josiah and how well, we'll just go with that for now and then we'll get her take on it. Well, uh Josiah and I met working in the same salon about 12 years ago. I'm a hairstylist um, here locally, as is Josiah, and, um, you know, we 
remained uh, pretty close friends over the years, even though our uh, professions have taken us to uh, other places of work. Um, and we recently, about a year ago, started working together again, so, uh, you know, closer than we've been in years. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how the two of us know each other. Okay. Um, and locally, you mean Charlottesville, Virginia? Yeah, okay. Charlotte, so. And Josiah, how? Uh, what do you remember about meeting Christopher, and how how your paths have crossed uh, more than once? It sounds like. Well, um, I second that. We met working together at a salon in Barrett's Road, Charlottesville, and I just remember that Christopher was very dynamic. Um, he has a big presence, and I feel that people are drawn to him, and I am happy to still call him a friend after all these years. Fantastic. So the two of you went to the uh, January 21st Women's March in Washington, D.C., is that correct? Yes, separately, yes. but we both went. When did you decide to do that, uh, Josiah? And why? I had, to go. I had decided to go when I first found out about it, and there was a brief moment where I was possibly not going to be able to go, but then fate intervened, and I was happy to say I could go at the last minute. Um, and for me, it was really important to go simply because I am a woman and I am a human. And... Mm. It was really important just to go and feel like I was doing a small part and that possibly my voice would be heard um, as a woman. We can't go back to where we were many years ago. Everybody deserves access to certain things in this country and to basic human right in my book. And, so that's why I went. And, and Christopher, what were your reasons to go to D.C. for a women's march? felt it important to stand in solidarity with uh, the women in this country, and Josiah, I believe, was the, the first person to share with me that the march was being planned and scheduled uh, several weeks before it happened. At first, I wasn't really sure if, as a man, it would be appropriate for me to go to the Million Women's March, hmm. um, but after talking with more people who were you know, excited and you know, I feel like there was an, an overall feeling of sort of hopelessness and helplessness that that people had, and I just felt that, that it was important for me to be one more person standing up for women's rights and for so many things and against tyranny. So I, you know, I, I started to share my feelings with other men and women that I knew here locally and with my family, most of which are back in Texas. Hmm. And we got a pretty good size group together, and we all went together. I had uh, my mom, my sister flew up from Austin to join in the march. And, you know, we were marching for so many different things. But, yeah, I just, I just felt it important to stand in solidarity with with the women in this country. And you, you know, Josiah, I think it uh, maybe not, uh, I know many of the people who were responsible for organizing this and, and getting busloads of people, like somewhere between 2,000, 3,000 busloads of people went, but I don't think the size of the crowd 
was expected initially, do you think, Josiah? And what was that like being am among such a crowd? I don't think that it was anticipated to be so huge. I think that we probably all were hoping, you know, to have a great number of people come together. But I think that the sheer enormity of it just kind of really blew us all away. Mm. And for myself and my friend Stephanie that went with me, it was such a great energy. There were so many people, and it was, you know, we were really packed in there tight, but it never felt claustrophobic, if you will. It just, mm -hmm. There was this great energy that we were all one, and it was great to be a part of. Yes, I can believe it. I, uh, I was sick at the time, but I watched on television with great interest. Um, and of course, so many cities. It was it was so organic that uh, uh, so many different cities around the world uh, took up the various causes. As Christopher says, it was not just about one thing. It was about humanity. Uh, Christopher, what? Uh, how do you? Uh, it may be an obvious question, but think about the comparison. Not in the, you know everybody got into the the comparing sizes of inaugurations. That's not my question or my point, but. What about the difference in the violent protests on Inauguration Day and the peaceful protests throughout the world, really, for the Women's March on January 21st? Were you thinking anything about that? Were you even aware of it? I guess if you're in the middle of it, you don't know if everybody's being peaceful. But how did the, like Josiah was saying, this energy, how did it impact on you? Um, I had some teenagers with me, and uh, my mother was with me as well. And I was a little concerned, uh, you know, with so many people packed in so tight that if something were to happen, it could affect, it could have kind of a domino effect. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we came, we came prepared. You know, we had bandanas and face masks in case of tear gas. You know, I I took precautions to make sure that the that everyone in the group had contact information uh, for other adults in the group, mm -hmm. just in case there were situations of us being separated, someone being in shock, or God forbid, unconscious. And I was so I was a little nervous um, whenever we arrived in D.C. That just the sheer numbers of people were. I mean, it was really overwhelming. I have been in the district. Uh, for other events, uh, protests, gatherings of, of various types over the years. So I'm familiar with what it feels like to be on the mall when there are so many people. Mm. Um, but this was really, it was really sort of mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. You know, so when we, first, when we first arrived, we were a little nervous, but navigating the crowd, we just made a chain with our hands to stay, to stay together as mm. we uh, tried to navigate the very, very dense crowd. And I was pleasantly surprised, uh, maybe surprised is the wrong word, just really pleased that once we were there at the event, it didn't take us long to realize that, um, you know, we were, we were all there for the same reason, and it was so positive, you know? Yes. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, we were there in protest, but also in support of each other. And, I mean, there was nothing but kindness. Uh, with mm. everyone that we met, you know, everyone was very cooperative and making space uh, for people when they needed to. Yeah, I mean, I think what I heard was, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 
across the entire country, there wasn't a single March-related arrest on Saturday. And I was just really pleased that's to hear correct. that. You know, that's true, Christopher. As Josiah says, it's absolutely true. It's an amazing, amazing achievement. It, it, uh, it epitomized our uh, First Amendment, to the right to peacefully assemble, and for so many people, hundreds of thousands, to gather in different cities and to peacefully assemble, and yet by their very presence. I've often written, you don't need to scream and shout, and, and you certainly don't need violence. Uh, you don't always need a sign. But the numbers of American citizens en masse standing up for something they believe in, which it seems to me in the Women's March on January 21st, what we were standing up for was each other. That's what I loved about it. What do you think, Josiah? I agree. Um, I feel like probably everybody has their own personal reason for attending um, throughout the world, but I do feel like the underlying bond that brought us all together was we're humans at mm. the end of the day. And to see another human being attacked or their rights being threatened, I feel like that today kind of rallied all of us. And we all wanted to say, that's not okay. Exactly. And we're here to support each other as humankind. And you know, I guess with the, uh, even since we scheduled this uh, radio interview and probably before it airs, there'll be even more developments where we need to be to peacefully assemble and to stand up for the rights of each other and all people. Uh, initially, I, I think the Women's March was about women's rights, but it certainly became about human rights and the rights of all American citizens and those who are trying to become American citizens. Josiah, what rights don't women have in America from your POV? Because most men think women are equal and have all of the rights that we have. But that's not true. What What are your thoughts, Josiah? Well, I feel like, you know, that can can go either way. I do feel like we have many rights. Um, I, I feel like it might depend on your socioeconomic status, um, how many more rights you actually do have. But, you know, it just goes back to the basic things. Women still aren't paid the same amount that men are paid for the same job. Mm -hmm. um, it's not as easy for us to... I know this is not necessarily what a lot of people think of as a right, but simple things like traveling alone. Mm. You know, men, men don't really... I shouldn't generalize. I feel like a lot of men wouldn't think twice about traveling to another country alone, but I do feel like for women that's kind of daunting uh, this day and age just because to some people we're seen as the weaker sex, um, possibly the sex that's not as smart, in some cases not as strong, hmm. but we are. Mm -hmm. Christopher, from a man's point of view... Um, uh, Josiah brings up some good points, and there you are watch, uh, marching with teenagers in the Women's March on January 21st. From a man's point of view, what do you think about some of the things that Josiah just said, as well as what was your lesson for those teenagers that you brought along? Well, 
for the young people that we brought with us, um, I feel, uh, you know, first and foremost is uh, just to remind them through experience um, that people really do have the power to make change Mm -hmm. and how important it is to stand up uh, and speak up for... um, for what you feel is right. You know, I think that the changes that have, have been made really with the change in the current administration in the White House has really kind of jarred people, uh, people who are typically complacent and just learn to accept what's, what's going on in the country uh, because they feel like they really don't have a choice and things are pretty good, you know, generally mm. speaking, for the majority. Um, you know, all of a sudden, all of that is in jeopardy, and people feel, I think people started to feel kind of just hopeless, you know? Mm. Since the election, I've spent a lot of time being kind of depressed and worried, and my kids have too, and whenever they ask the question, you know, what can they really do? They can't really do anything about it. What can they really do? I, I wanted to offer them a chance to not you know not just feel like they were doing something but actually be a part of a large movement and there are a lot of women's rights that are uh, definitely in jeopardy right now more than they have been in a very long time Mm. um i do think that it's true that most people kind of feel at least most men feel that women do have equal rights but as josiah said it's simply not true you know there's by law, um, women should be making equal pay for equal work, and that's just simply not true in the workplace. There are so many, uh, you know, women's reproductive rights are in huge jeopardy right now, mm-hmm. and that's something, that's a right that I believe does belong to women. And I feel like we as men should be standing up to support that. Exactly. Um, I, let, forgive me for interrupting. We're going to go to a break soon, but since you brought up the law, so much that's affecting women. I'd like to remind all men out there, while women were given the vote with the 19th Amendment, the Equal Rights Amendment was passed by Congress under President Jimmy Carter in the 70s, but as an amendment to the Constitution, it has to be ratified by, I think, 35 states, and it has not been. So constitutionally, the law of the land women are not equal to men as American citizens. Think about that while we take a break. I'll talk to my guests about that and other things. I, I think the, the best thing out of all of this that's going on that's making people nervous, understandably, is that most of us, as Christopher said, you know, those of us who live pretty well, we get comfortable, we get complacent, we don't remember there are a lot of people who don't live as well as we do and now everyone is awakened because those who, because everyone can be negatively impacted. All of us who felt, okay, we're okay. Well, maybe we're not, and we need to pay attention. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with my two wonderful guests, Josiah Mansfield and Christopher Hayes. They work together in Charlottesville, Virginia, real Americans, really great citizens who get involved not only in Washington, D.C., but on a local level, and that's what's going to save us. All politics are local, as uh, Tip O'Neill said. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Although rental opens a wonderful film world for us, self-serving plug, there are few experiences that can compare to seeing a movie in a theater. The smell of fresh popcorn wafting through the air, the way your feet stick to the floor, and, of course, the thrill of seeing something on the big screen, just as its director envisioned. Yet, in Cinema 6, there is an unseen world behind the scenes. The film follows employees of a small town multiplex in their daily drudgery of running concessions, selling tickets to angry customers, and working the projection booth. Mason, Dennis, and Gabe are not merely stuck in a job they don't care about. They are enduring lives they don't care about, aching to live dreams and passions they are too scared to pursue. As they navigate relationships, friendships, and new responsibilities, these man-children are forced to grow up. What makes Cinema 6 a winner is some of the wittiest writing you will find in an independent film and three strong performances by the leads. It's all hilarious and vulgar and heartwarming and, best of all, emotionally complex. Cinema 6. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to The Reasonable Voices a talk radio show. My guests today are colleagues Josiah Mansfield and Christopher Hayes. They work together off and on, as a matter of fact, through the years, friends as well, in Charlottesville, Virginia. We've been talking, I guess, primarily about the Women's March, but how it impacted not just women, but children. Christopher even had his mother there. Josiah has been talking about the differences, the way women are treated differently, both in income and in just the way the perhaps a lack of respect or certainly equal treatment. I threw in a reminder to all men and women and girls, you know, and boys that uh, the Equal Rights Amendment has not been passed by enough states to make it a part of the Constitution. And the Equal Rights Amendment does not give women more rights over men. It states very clearly that all people should have equal rights regardless of gender. So, back to my guests, Josiah Mansfield and Christopher Hayes. Josiah, I get the feeling when you and I chat, you have a real sense of what it means to be a woman in America in 2017. What does it mean to be a woman in 2017? Well, uh, I do feel like now is, it's becoming a scary time for us. We have fought over the years to be where we are, to have certain jobs that we have, to fight uh, in combat lines in the Army, if that's what one wants to do. But I feel like with this new president, I feel like we're starting to take some steps back and things that we had not necessarily taken for granted as women, because I, I don't think we do. I certainly don't take anything for granted simply because I am a woman. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is starting to be a scary time. There's lots of things that are at risk for being taken away from us. One of the main things that really does worry me as I am an American in a affluent town who does not have health insurance. Mm. 
So I have definitely utilized Planned Parenthood. I have gone for cancer screening. I have gone for birth control. I've gone for a general checkup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like those are basic rights. Mm -hmm. I feel like anybody should have access to that. And, you know, one of the main things, being Trump just that he wants to defund that is shocking to me this day and age. You know, it's, I understand people are using the argument Planned Parenthood provides abortion, but mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood uses private money to do that. And you cannot take away Planned Parenthood and access to birth control and also try and take away access to an abortion. If you don't have access to birth control, not quite sure what these men think is going to happen. <laughs> you, you know, you know I, get I, I hear you, and I just the other day, a woman on MSNBC whose name, I think she was with the, the Right to Life March, and what she said was, and they tried to pin her down on it, and she said she wouldn't speak for the organization, but yes, she was against, not only against abortion, but against contraceptives. Well, you know, where does that leave a woman? And I'm glad also, Josiah, that you mentioned that Planned Parenthood does a lot lot more for women's health than abortion. But anyway, let's give Christopher a chance to chime in. Christopher, what do you see? Are your teenagers females by any chance? And uh, Or for that matter, even if they're boys, how do you see their future? I think that uh, what's disturbing about it is that it it seems a little uncertain. You know, we're doing our best to stay positive, you know, and um, my my teenagers are boys, and uh, we've had a lot of conversations about what the changes mean for us personally and what can we do to stand up for what we believe in. Mm-hmm. and. My boys are worried, and they're also, you know, in order to stay positive, I'm trying to kind of remind them that the long-term effects of what is happening now, you know, my hope is that there will be such a backlash that, you know, there's, you've heard this idea of, you know, it's the pendulum swings both ways. Yes. You know, that's been coming up a lot lately, you know, and I think, Uh, in part to try to remind people that what's happening now is temporary and, you know, uh, midterm elections, things can start to shift. And, you know, hopefully when that shift starts to occur, so many more people will be active and involved and getting to the, uh, getting to the, the, the voting booth and casting their ballot so that potentially the shift could be so progressive that we won't ever go back to this place we currently find ourselves in. You know, I don't, it, it is hard to stay focused on that when it's, you know, you're constantly being reminded of all the sort of carnage that may be left in the wake. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things, uh, I mean, people's lives are at stake. Yes. You know, with all of uh, And the idea of, you know, reversing Roe versus Wade, which is, it's likely, it's, it's, I mean, it's on the chopping block, right? And defunding Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood is 
I guess, a, a non-profit organization that does rely on some government funding, but they also do a tremendous amount of private fundraising, and I think that they are, they're hopefully in a position to survive, you know, the next few years if their federal funding is, you know, completely cut. Mm-hmm. Or other things that are happening, too, um, you know, just cutting federal grant funding for so many different programs that support women, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I want to remind remind all people that are in any position to to give financial support to some of these programs that it's time now, if you don't agree with what's happening, to stand up and stand up and support by donating money to some of these nonprofit organizations that do provide services to women. I'm concerned that, you know, battered women's shelters will not have the funding that they need to operate, that women who are in a, a very bad situation will not have that option uh, as a way to get out of it. I mean, there are, there are a lot of things that are going on right now. I guess uh, maybe I'm not answering your initial question very well, but I just uh, I feel like my my kids need to stay stay educated and stay involved as much as they can, whatever whatever level that is, uh, on a local level, doing things like this Women's March, you know, staying educated from a broad variety of media sources, so as not to get just one biased opinion about the news of the country and the news of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you, you are absolutely right. It, it is, it requires all of us, regardless of our age, but the, those of us who are adults, we need to inspire this in the children and teenagers that um, we need to always pay attention. I think we had reached a point, uh, even with the election of uh, President Obama, a lot of people thought, okay, we've done our... Uh, our racial equality thing, and we all went back, and and indeed, Obamacare helped a lot of people. A lot of things that President Obama did helped a lot of people, but not all of the people have bounced back from the Great Recession of the Bush-Cheney years, and we just stopped remembering that. We too often get lost in our own individual life that we forget there are people who don't live like we do. Uh, and the middle class has changed, uh, and its its economy, etc. Uh, the planet is changing. But let me get back to Josiah. Uh, Josiah, I know you have a good sense of history. You've expressed that before. I'm, but one thing that you brought up for me, I had thought about domestically, but not internationally. What happens? You asked me one day. What happens if uh, President? Uh, Trump's executive orders make his properties abroad uh, a particularly interesting as targets for the very people he claims he's trying to prevent from hurting the America. What do you think? Because you brought that up. That's one of your ideas. So what were you thinking? Oh, I, I wondered, you know, is there going to come a point where Trump makes somebody so angry that they retaliate against us and they target, you know, one of the many things that has his name on it, Mm -hmm. whether it's here, whether it's another country. And 
does something catastrophic, um, and it's not going to affect him specifically because he's not going to be in one of his hotels probably, but it will have the potential to kill all of the people that work in that hotel, which I'm pretty sure are primarily non-white people from other countries. Mm. So it's just, that is really scary, you know, he, he just can't control himself. We've all seen that with his little tantrums on Twitter. The things that affect him, the things that kind of set him in a chizzy are not what we want to see in a world leader. We don't want that. I certainly don't want somebody like that running the country with the potential just to make another country so angry that all of a sudden we're all threatened. Um, it is a very real fear to me, and him wanting to keep immigrants out of this country because he believes that that is who is a threat to us. You know, let's all be reminded of all of the white men here in this country that are American citizens that have done more damage, mm -hmm. um, if you will, than an immigrant coming to this country. So for me, it just it kind of is a time clock waiting to see who he makes the maddest and how long it takes them to do something. When I asked this question, I wasn't thinking about this, but what your answer makes me think about it. The ban on the countries, the countries that have, have been banned recently by President Trump to not allow people to come in, even though he, the court has stayed that, at least temporarily, and he claims he's going to ignore the courts, but we'll see how far that goes. The one thing I think we do have left in our corner, the people on the streets and the court system. The, the Supreme Court may certainly uh, become more politicized, but the generally federal courts throughout the land have been quite judicious in their, um, in their conduct and in their choices. So I wonder, because we already have nations that are getting upset, what do you think, Christopher, because you mentioned we should be supporting things like uh, battered women, people who are taking care of battered women and, and domestic uh, violence, I would throw in the ACLU. We're certainly going to need them to to make certain our battle is in peaceful protest on the street, but our battle is also our legal battles in a court of law because people can say what they want about President Trump. I'm certainly not a fan, but criticizing him personally will get us nowhere. Taking him to court, however, that's a different thing. Christopher, any thoughts? Um. I do have a lot of faith in the American people. I think that we need to remember maybe not everything about this country's history and what it was built on, but the fact that none of us as Americans, save uh, the Americans that were here uh, before we all arrived, mm -hmm. um, we're all essentially, we're all from other parts of the world. This country was was built with on the idea that you know, it was a, a place of sovereignty for so many people yes. in this world. And I feel like the current decisions that are being made from this administration are really going against everything that Americans should be standing for mm -hmm. and what it means to be an American. As far as the legal battles and 
I mean, I do have faith in, to some degree, in in the system. Um, I do wish that it was a little more democratic. I do mm. feel like, you know, the representatives are not necessarily, you know, that are in Congress are not necessarily representing the voice of the people, of mm. the majority. Yes. I just, I urge Americans to get involved in any way they can on the local level to make to make as many changes as they can. You know, uh, I think well, maybe 25 percent of citizens who could have voted voted for Trump. Right. Uh, yes. The problem is that so many Americans did not vote at all. Exactly. I think there were a lot of a lot of Americans were just counting on the fact that Hillary was going to win mm-hmm. and <laughs> and stayed and at now home. They feel now they're afraid, yes. and that that fear is definitely driving people to get more active that have not been active in politics before to stay more informed, um, and hopefully to get out and vote yes. for what they believe in. I think if if everyone in this country made it to the polls, that the outcome of this election would have been very different. And I just hope that moving forward we can we can keep the the momentum and. You know, I mean, my personal feeling is that voting should be compulsory and that it should happen over the course of three days, over a weekend, so that everyone, no matter what their economic situation is, I mean, a lot of people couldn't get out and vote because they couldn't take off work, you Mm. know, for fear of losing their jobs, that kind of thing. Yes. I think it should be easier for all Americans to access um, the voting stations, you know, to not have to stand in line for several hours. You know, I do believe that voting should be compulsory. I think that it would make a big difference, you know. Um, it, I also feel like the, the, the people should have the right to decide, you know. The popular vote should win. You know, the idea of the Electoral College is, you know, I, I feel like it's antiquated and it needs to be done away with altogether. Um, well, I, I have to... I agree. I, I have to agree on, a, on a, a lot of your points, Christopher, and you too, Josiah. I do think the greatest danger or wound to any democracy or democratic republic is the non-voter. You have to vote. You also vote every time you are in a woman's march or peacefully assemble at an airport to defend Muslim people and anyone else from coming into the country. You're also voting when you go to your members of Congress local office in your area, wherever it is, because they do have to come back periodically and you make your feelings known. In any case, we're going to have to go. We've run out of time. I thank you so very much, the two of you, Josiah Mansfield and Christopher Hayes, working and living in Charlottesville, Virginia, who went to D.C. and were a part of the Women's March and are taking on the the full mantle of what it means to be a good American citizen, and that's the rights for all. And I guess that's 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 it. Josiah, any parting words for us? We must run. I just think everybody needs to continue to use their voice, continue this movement, do what you can, whether you feel like it's a small step or a big step, just get out and use your voice. Very good. Thank you, Josiah Mansfield and Christopher Hayes, for being on the show today. You are a great example to all of us of what it means to be uh, an American citizen doing our civic duty. Thank you so very much. It begins with voting, but it doesn't end there. All the best to both of you. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice.
now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Harvey Weinstein of Miramax Films was apparently not that excited about The Apostle. Still, there is value in courting a proven Hollywood star. So when Robert Duvall brought his film to Sundance, Harvey bid on it. Heck, if he didn't make his money back, at least Bobby would owe him one. Charismatic preacher Sonny Duvall has always had a close relationship with God and conversed with him regularly. But he's also a man of heated blood. And when it boils over, he's in serious trouble, both spiritually and with the law. On the run, Sonny seeks redemption in the only way he knows, fervently saving souls, first on Backwoods Radio and then by breathing life into a dead rural church. Though a film with fervent religious belief at its core, what is most remarkable about The Apostle is its humanistic truth. No contrived religious manipulation here. With its surprising power of subtle moments, it fills us with a renewed love of film. Life is depicted in intricate depth, a worthy accomplishment by Duvall, its writer, producer, director, financier, and star. He was clearly possessed by an overwhelming passion, and it birthed a towering and lasting model of indie filmmaking. The Apostle. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Echoes of truth despite reflections of wild boars. Every time I allow my ever-ready-for-adventure Chipu to escape the confines of home, her first action as she races into the outside world is to release an impressive, ear-piercing announcement of her taking the field, at breakneck speed right to the edge of her outer boundary. No electric fence nor wall is necessary to maintain her power over the lay of the land, for it is her presumed raison d'etre. Regardless of race, creed, gender, or talent, Oscar-like awards are subjectively dealt out over lifetimes, though admittedly more often it's hearts with a ravenous queen of spades than a winning hand from MSNBC for Melissa Harris-Perry. The deck, two stacked in Wall Street boardrooms by bankers producing sequels to The Big Short, too small to prevail, they stuff 99% of humanity into the envelope, please, in the outsourcing room, until the Oscars of life are awarded to those who run the race like Jesse Owens, the ever-increasing global danger is our failure to imagine beyond the hyperbole of self-serving politicians, some with ambitions as destructive as an olympically defeated master race dictator like Karl Rove's puppeteer. Most often, life isn't an Oscar-winning film, especially when we choose choices like Ted Cruz's Garden of Eden and the lowest-hanging fruits of justice, like senators refusing to consider replacing a deceased Supreme Court justice who preached once its original ink dried, the U.S. Constitution died. Despite our founding fathers' lack of crystal ball expertise and inability to anticipate a bridge of spies between the FBI, Apple, and Hillary, Franklin nonetheless suggested the possibility that those who give up their liberty for more security neither deserve liberty nor security. Unlike the Martian, 
There is no bringing us home to greatness unless we are a nation forever progressing forward. On Oscar Sunday, decisions, limited only by lack of diversity, are announced amidst tears, laughter, applause, speeches, regret, and the politics of blackout boycott. On Super Tuesday, decisions, limited only by the will of the people to demand greater value for their vote, will be announced amidst jeers and cheers, speeches of concession, and for those herded and huddled by packs for regression, the politics of hate. In our 2016 elections, we the people are contesting via a personification of our built-up resentment, a coronation, and a Mad Max escapee from the Arrogance Asylum. So, which will it be for us, January 20th, 2017? Revenge on the We Built That Gang? Decades-old recipient of constant onslaught from every side, now potentially FBI-investigated, Dynasty Next? Huffing and puffing bores salivating over undermining our exceptional law of the land, the Golden Rule. This election, though not a feel-good movie, is based on the truth and lies we tell ourselves when the lights are low. Produced by corporatism, directed by partisans, and starring those who vote and those who avoid the spotlight of civic responsibility. Nevertheless, the revenant self within is beckoned by the peace that comes from surviving the American saga, now recognizing right from wrong, justice and injustice, equality and discrimination, economic opportunity and income disparity. Can't we see the dishonesty in those who shout volumes of vagueness, provoking violence among those most vulnerable to the fear and frustration that accompanies feeling being passed over, forgotten, or ignored? To the degree we are mesmerized by the least our political system has to offer, we echo 1930s Germany in 2016 politics behind the politics of ratings-crazed media, rented lobbyists bribing career politicians, and ranting demagogues. Until we stop fearing progress, oil-slicked money-changers will remain the greatest terror threat to our environment our rainbow, and our melting pot. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.